Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, it just occurred to me that God's standard of greatness is different than the world's. God's standard of greatness is different than the world's standard of greatness. And, and, and you know, many, many people, they have many different ideas of what true greatness is. Some people think that true greatness is intellectual ability. I think of Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein was a great intellectually bright man. Of course, he didn't know how to comb his hair, but he was... <laughs> he was hair combing challenged, I guess they call it. And uh, but a, a bright man. I mean, people have their different ideas of what it means to be great. There are people who consider other people with a lot of money consider them to be great. There are those who believe that those with, you know, political greatness, which is seems to be an oxymoron to me, political greatness, politics and greatness. And then there are some people who consider those with scientific achievement or medical achievement as being great. And then have you realized, have you noticed how people view athletes today? I mean, athletes are like gods today. And because many people believe athletic ability is a sign of greatness. And then, of course, physique. People are into their bodies nowadays. If you've got a great physique, you can become the governor of California. And then have you noticed... Like people, looks and physique, people are obsessed. Have you noticed this? And maybe I'm the only one. But people are obsessed and and possessed. People are really possessed. (laughs) And and people are obsessed with with, uh, looks and appearance and and white teeth. (laughs) Have, Have you noticed that? That's true. I mean, there's so many teeth whitening products on the market. Like, you know, don't misunderstand me. Brush your tooth. Please, I mean, brush your teeth, that's nice. But people consider all of these kinds of things great. Do you know the Bible and God doesn't see any of that as great? God's idea of greatness is quite different than the world's. God's idea of greatness, who? John the Baptist. That's what we're going to talk about. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And as they departed in verse 7, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Now notice Jesus asked three questions and three, might I add, rhetorical questions. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garment? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces or houses. Then the first two rhetorical questions, the answer is no. 
But what did you go out to see in verse 9? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, Behold, I send a messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you in verse 11, among those born of woman, there was not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is, would you underline the saints? Least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he, John, is Elijah who is to come. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now notice that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now we've got two ears. Did you notice we have two ears and one mouth? That ought to tell you something. God wants you to do more listening than he does talking. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now, if you've been with us, you know, in earlier in this chapter, and actually into chapter 10, Jesus took the 12. He set them apart. He sent them to the house of Israel. And the Bible says that he sent them to the house of Israel, but Jesus went into their cities preaching and teaching, proclaiming and explaining the kingdom of heaven. Meanwhile, back on the home front, John the Baptist is in prison. Why? Because he pointedly and boldly spoke against Herod. He had divorced his wife, as you well know, if you've been with us, and he has taken his brother's wife, and he married her. And so John spoke against that. John was bold. John said, that's wrong. That's sin. John wasn't tolerant. He said, that's wrong. And Herod, you know, put him in prison. But see, John wasn't worried about it at the time. Because John knew the scriptures. And John knew that when the Messiah comes, he's going to open the prison doors and set the captives free. So John is thinking, no problem. John's thinking, man, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to spring me out of this joint. But days went by, weeks, and then months. And John is sitting in this dingy, damp dungeon. And the devil was sure to sow seeds of discouragement and doubt. And John starts thinking, Lord, are you really who you say you are? Remember we talked about it? John is in a place of doubt. Remember Doubting Castle? The Pilgrim's Progress? And John is in this place of doubt. Because he's sitting in prison. And he started to question. God, are you really who you say you are? God, are you really who I have been proclaiming you to be? Have I made a mistake? Have I wasted my life? Should I be looking for someone else? John finds himself in the dungeon of doubt and defeated and discouraged. Which is where many of us at times 
find ourselves. Now, there are some who will tell you that if you ever doubt and you don't have faith, then somehow you're half a Christian. Oh, you're not a spiritual because you have Listen, if you ever doubted God, raise your hand and tell the truth because you're in church. All right. All right. That, that's that most of y'all telling the truth, but that's all right. That's all right. God sees you. But we've all found ourselves in the place of doubt. Can I say to you this morning, if you've ever doubted God, whether you've doubted him about your salvation, whether you have doubted God about the future of your marriage, maybe you've doubted God in his promises or doubted God in his goodness. If you've ever been in that place or in the grips of doubt and despair, can I tell you something? You're in good company. Good company. Yeah, there are plenty of people in the Bible that found themselves in a place of doubt and discouragement. Plenty. Moses and Abraham and David and, 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 and Jeremiah. You remember Jeremiah? He was out preaching. Jeremiah was a preacher's preacher. And Jeremiah is out preaching. Preaching hard, sweating. People weren't listening. People were saying, Jeremiah, talk to the head. I ain't listening. And Jeremiah said, that's it, God, I'm sick of preaching. He was doubting. That's it, God, no more preaching for me. I'm sick of preaching. The people aren't listening to me. They're telling me to talk to their hand. Nobody's getting changed. There's no effect going on here. I'm done with preaching, Jeremiah said. And then he said he found himself at the place of saying, you know what, I can't help it. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't help it. I got to preach. Jeremiah was in a place of doubt. Paul. And Silas, many people remember doubting Thomas. Everyone has found themselves in the place of doubt. What do you do? Rodney, I'm in the place of doubt. What do I do? You know what you got to do? You got to take your eyes off your doubt and put your eyes on Jesus. You knew that. Uh, Someone once said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the world will grow strangely dim. Isn't that true? In the light of his glory and grace. You know, know, it depends on how big your God is, I guess. You know, for some, if your God is a little eeny, beeny, teeny, weeny God, then I guess he can't do much. I guess your God can't do a whole lot if he's a small God. But if your God is a big and awesome God like the God we serve, there's nothing too hard for God. As a matter of fact, I'll go one step further. There's nothing even hard for God. You know, we go, oh, there ain't nothing too hard for God, honey. Yeah, well, there's nothing even hard for him. And we're talking about now the God who made the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the God who simply spoke. Everything that you see in existence, the chairs you're sitting on, God spoke the materials into existence. Man can't do that. The God, the, the, the God who spoke this pulpit into existence. No, he didn't make the pulpit, but the wood that the pulpit is made of. It is God who said, let there be light. It is God who said, I'm going to create the earth and I'm going to create the trees and I'm going to make oak trees and pine trees and dogwood trees and all kinds of trees. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who said, light be and light was. This is the God we serve who says, waters Cover the earth and waters begin to flow. Can I tell you something? We serve an awesome God. Amen, saints? We serve an, you should give a Lord a hand there because we serve an awesome God. See, we don't know it. We don't know it. 
Because we get a problem, we go, oh, God, I got a problem. As if God fell off the throne because you have a problem. And God's going, oh, my gosh, my child, they have a problem. What am I going to do now? Oh, you know, he's angels. We got to consult. You know, we, what are we, we going to do? This is the way we act. But, but, but God, when you have a problem, did you know that God already knew your problem was going to be before you ever had your problem? If you didn't get that, get the tape. It makes sense. Did you know? God already knew because he knows the end from the beginning. And so I tell you all that to tell you this. Why doubt God? God is a great and awesome, 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 awesome God. And for us to doubt him, we find ourselves in a place of doubt. But if you just simply turn your eyes on the one who is the awesome God and look full in his wonderful face, God, I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm not going to pay attention to my circumstances. I'm not going to pay attention to my problems. God, I'm going to believe your promises and I'm going to trust you that you are God and that you are in control of my life, of my circumstance, of my sickness, of my financial problems, of my, 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 my husband, my wife. God, my kids, they are so crazy, but I'm going to trust you, God. You see, and, and then what happens? He's never failed you. God's never failed anyone. And if he fails you, you will be the first ever. So why down? No need to doubt. Turn your eyes on him. We talked about that last time. And then in, in your Bibles in verse 7. Now, now notice, John is in the prison uh, of the, in the dungeon of doubt, and he's doubting God. It's very possible that they heard John, the disciples heard John say, Lord, are you the one? Because if you remember, the disciples, the, multi- the disciples, John's disciples came to him, and John told them to go tell Jesus. Was he the one? Was he the Messiah? Are you the one who is the promised one? Did I make a mistake? John told his disciples to go and ask Jesus. So when they heard that, that maybe John was saying, you know, should I look for another? They heard that John was doubting. These guys could have been thinking, man, these guys are flaky. John's flaky. I mean, how could he even ask that? And notice then Jesus, now you got to get this. Then Jesus starts to brag on John. And he asked three rhetorical questions. He said to the multitudes, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, John is more than a prophet. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you might think that John has lost his faith, but his, and that, that his ministry is a failure. But let me tell you something Jesus would say. I'll tell you the truth about John. John is awesome. God, Jesus, is bragging on John. First question, what did you go out to see? Or when you went out to see John and hear him preach, did you expect to see a reed shaken in the wind? Did you expect to see a man just blowing and wavering in the wind? No, John isn't shaken by the wind. As a matter of fact, John is the wind shaking the reeds. John is a bold guy. I cannot wait to get to heaven to meet John. John, you're the man. John is 
bold. And John is courageous. He's a great man. He's a strong man. And he is a man of unwavering conviction. Remember, he's in prison now. Why? Because he came against the sin of the king. That took boldness. And that took conviction, and that took strength. John wasn't a pushover. He wasn't a reed bending under political pressure. John isn't blown about with every new wind of doctrine and every new thing. Christian, are you blown about with every new wind of doctrine and every new thing? Do you know in the church today, it it is sad. But in the church today, Christians are blown about with every new wind of doctrine and every new thing. Something comes in the church new, Christians are like, hey, we need to be doing that. People have said to me, it was, I remember the time when the, the gentleman by the name of Rodney Howard Browns, perhaps you remember him, he calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender. Now, I see that to be a problem. Y'all looking at me like, so, was there a problem with that, Pastor? Oh, uh, yeah. He calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender, and he said that it was his ministry to, to impart the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Laughter movement came out as a result of this man claiming that God has called him to impart the ministry of Holy Laughter to the church. And so he would go and various churches and and lay hands on people and hold their belly and he would say let that joy bubble up right out of your belly let that joy bubble up right out of your belly let that joy bubble up right out of your belly and somebody said to me pastor don't you think we need to get a part of this holy laughter movement I mean I want the joy to bubble up out of my belly I'm like well look you got too much belly as it is now oh I'm sorry I just said that I'm like well now wait a minute this, this, is, this is a new thing. And then it, that whole holy laughter thing, and it just got out of control where people were laughing in the spirit, barking like dogs, clucking like chickens. I am not kidding you. This was a new thing, a new wind of doctrine that has come through the church. You remember the time prior to that when the, it was actually in 1908 with the Azusa Street Revival when people began to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden the wind of doctrine came through the church that everyone is to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not even a Christian. So it, there's always something new. Someone once said if it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. It's always something new blowing through the church. And there's always so many Christians that are going after something new. Have you noticed? Something new, some new book, some new DVD, some new series, some new something. And Christians are, yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do that. Pastor Roddy, can we do that? Oh, yeah, oh, something new over here. Let's go do that. Let's go do that. Pastor Roddy, can we do that? I'm like, no. No. Something new. Always quoting some new... You know what? I can tell who people have been listening to and who they've been talking to. Just give me five minutes and let me hear what they're saying. And I can tell because a lot of Christians, they're simply grabbing a hold of something new that they heard from some preacher. Quoting and parroting some preacher. Looking to some preacher to tell them what is the newest and the latest and the greatest thing. Some new wind of doctrine. And might I add, most of it stinks. It stinks. Going after something new. Latest person. They're always under the influence of the hottest, latest preacher. 
Look, I tell you what, don't, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, ever, ever quote me and not quote the scriptures. And isn't it true, when people are seeking something new or they're kind of after the latest, how does, did you hear what, you know, Pastor Parsley said? Did you hear what Bishop said? Oh, Bishop said this and Bishop said that. And, you know, when, and, and these same people, they don't know the scriptures. They don't know the Bible because they never quote Jesus. If you want to quote someone, quote Jesus. Quote the word. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Amen. That's, that's true. Don't quote me. Quote the Bible. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. We put the verses on the screens not because we think that looks cool. Although it does look cool. Cool is cool. But we don't do it for that reason. We do it so that you can write it down and then you can go home and be Bereans and search the scriptures, Acts 17, 11. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Search the Bible, know the Bible. And the reason why people are after new things or tossed about with every wind of doctrine or their reed shaking in the wind is because they're not satisfied with the word of God. You know, so many people nowadays are not satisfied with the Bible. Can I tell you something? This is all you need. All you need. This is all you need. It's called the Bible. And the words that are between these pages will change your life. And you know what will happen? You'll be so satisfied and so refreshed with the washing of the water of the word of God that when new stuff come in, you'll be like, oh, that's new. That'll be gone in a week. Oh, that's new stuff. Oh, people are chasing that. I don't need that. All I need is Jesus. You see, you won't be tossed about going here and going there for every new thing. Loving God, loving his word is all that we need. John, he wasn't a reed tossed about with the wind. John was the wind tossing the reeds. He wasn't even worried about being politically correct. As we so often are even in the church today, have you noticed? We're in the tolerance in the church today. We're into tolerance. And tolerance simply means this. Don't ever tell me what I'm doing is sin. Don't ever tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Because if you do, then you're, being, you're not being tolerant. They tell you. One guy even told me, he said, you know, Pastor Rodney, there's no absolutes. There are no absolutes. I said, are you absolutely sure? He's, he said, well, I don't know. I said, because reality, yes, there is absolutes. And yes, there is absolutely this thing called rebellion and sin against God. And we as Christians are are, are reported as not being tolerant because we speak against those things that are absolutely in contrary to the scriptures. We live in a weird world, you guys. You know, good is evil and evil is good. Dark is light and light is dark. Ying is yang and yang is ying. We live in a weird, have you noticed? We live in a weird world. You know, William Penn said this, and I love this quote. He said, right is right even if everyone is against it, and wrong is wrong even if everyone is for it. Isn't that true? You know, well, you know, Pastor Ronnie, everybody's doing it now. Everybody in society, society's changed. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, but the word of God hasn't changed. Amen, saints? 
God's word hadn't changed. It's the same. And, and Jesus said to the disciples, did you go out to see a reed shaking in the wind with John? You won't find that. John is stable. John is not tossed about like tumbleweeds. John is stable and secure with unwavering faith, faith, not vacillating like weeds shaking in the wind. John wasn't like that. John was a great man and bold in the Lord. And then he said, did you go out to see a man clothed in soft clothing? Notice that. Do you think you're going to find a guy dressed in fancy clothes when you go out? You see, John was rough and John was rugged and John lived an ascetic life. That's a life of denial. John had long hair and John had a beard and he lived in the desert and he wore a camel hair Armani suit with leather. John didn't look like a preacher. He looked more like a biker. He didn't look like a preacher. You know, people say that about me. They say, Pastor Roddy, you don't, you don't, you don't look like a preacher. Well, what does a preacher look like? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.